Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Sunday at Bethlehem, a podcast created to go beyond the Sunday service experience at Bethlehem Church, exploring some of the deeper questions of our faith, offering additional content from behind the scenes from the cutting room floor. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Angela Buckland, and as always, I'm beyond excited to host today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Sunday. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. Today, you are in for a treat. We have a very special guest on our podcast whose work has had a huge impact on me personally, as well as our Bethlehem team. With us today is Jenny Catron, author, speaker, and leadership coach. She has a passion for leading others well and inspires, equips, and encourages others to do the same. She consults churches and nonprofits alike, and she is a sought-after speaker at conferences and churches nationwide. She is founder and CEO of the Foresight Group and consults with individuals and teams on leadership and organizational health. Jenny's books include Clout, Discover and Unleash Your God-Given Influence, Just Lead, a no-whining, no-complaining, no-nonsense practical guide for women leaders in the church, and The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. Jenny has served on the executive leadership teams of Menlo Church in Menlo Park, California, and Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Prior to ministry leadership, she worked as an artist development director in the Christian music industry. And we are honored to have Jenny with us today. Uh, she led one of our LDG staff meetings this past May for our Bethlehem Church team. And I have been privileged to be a part of her Women in Leadership Coaching Intensive hosted by her company, The Foresight Group. Her work has had a huge impact on our team, so we are so honored and excited to have Jenny with us today. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. It's an honor to talk to you today. Angela, I'm thrilled to I'm thrilled to spend the extra time, and uh, it's just been great to uh, get to know you and Bethlehem Church better, especially over this past year. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I kind of gave our listeners um, a good a good background description on on who you are, but tell us, tell us in your own words, um, who you are and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I, I um, I'm a Midwest girl, so I actually live in Wisconsin. I was born and raised here, but spent uh, about 20 years in Tennessee and then another three years in in California. So lived in a few different regions of the country and. Um, yeah, I, I am passionate about all things leadership. I mean, you read the bio and just kind of my career journey and just the unique opportunities that God has given me through the years. I really have such a deep passion for helping all of us understand our God-given influence and then specifically how that plays out in our leadership. And so that's kind of been the thread that has run through my life. I feel like it's just part of how God has wired me and created me is to be uh, just intentional in helping everybody understand that unique place of influence we've been given. So that's my heartbeat. That's my passion. And then I do that through getting to work with a number of great organizations, churches, nonprofits, faith-based leaders in their market, in the marketplace work. And um, it's just a pure joy. So that's my world. I'm married for 22 years, no kids. Um, but, uh, and we came back here to Wisconsin in the last few years to live near family. So that's what our, that's what our world looks like right now. Awesome. So just uh, how's the weather up in Wisconsin right now? Is it warm? It, you know what? It has been. It's been very warm up until like today. It's like in the 60s. So we've had this like little Whoa. cold spell, It you know, but it'll be back up in the 80s this weekend. So it's, you know, it's summer for us. It's funny. People often have the misnomer that Wisconsin is cold all the time. 
And like we, it's 80, 90 all summer long. And then we have beautiful spring and fall. And then the autumn pretty much drops out in the winter, but we get the winter sports and the snow. You just kind of wish it was a little bit shorter than it is, but it's funny, but most people think we're like cold year round. It's like, no, we actually get a pretty warm summer. Yeah. I'm actually from uh, Detroit, Michigan. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. You born. know that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I know it. And it gets, because you're surrounded by lakes, it's, it's really humid it's and hot humid. during the summertime. Yes. Yep. It's so <laughs> funny because you grow, I, I spent 20 years in Tennessee, so very similar to Georgia. And uh, people would always be shocked that I wasn't all that phased by the humid summers because, I mean, not quite as hot yes. as the South, right? But it, but it was still, our, our summers are humid because of all the lakes. So, yep. Same thing. Yes. Yes. So as a curly girl, though, the humidity is uh, always, you know, always an issue. So <laughs> yes, yes. My nephew calls my hair fuzzy. Uh, he's six. <laughs> and I was like, that is the yeah. best I can relate. ever. Yeah, right. Like naturally curly hair. It's like you're just it's just over in the summer. So he called it fuzzy. And I was like, that is the best description anybody's ever given of my hair. I don't know if it's a flattering description, but it's still the best description right. of my hair in the summer. Right. Well, tell us, um, you, everybody kind of has this, you're, you're a leadership expert and, um, you know, you, you coach people on leadership and everyone has a definition of what leadership is. So how do you, how would you define leadership? What is, what is leadership in your own words? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's funny cause I kind of stumbled into that uh, accidentally in my early years as a young leader, I was working in the music business and I, I, I don't think I'd ever really thought about what the word leader meant. I think I just kind of assumed it was about position and climbing the, the hierarchy, climbing the corporate ladder. And I had a boss who really challenged me in you know, kind of a, a poor moment of leadership on my part. And he told me if I wanted to lead people, I was going to have to learn how to love them. So it really mm. triggered this thought of what does leadership really mean? So I went on a just a, a pretty intensive study of what, what does leadership actually mean? And uh, a quote from John Maxwell uh, was a catalyst for, for the thought in that he said, leadership begins with influence or leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And yeah. so I really like leaned into that word influence and that word influence means the power to change or affect someone. And that definition really startled me, this idea that as leaders, we have the power to change or affect others. And my takeaway from that is that, you know what, leadership is actually very sacred work. We have the power to change or affect other people. And that's really a sacred honor and a sacred privilege that I think if most Mm -hmm. leaders recognize that, I think the perspective of leadership would look radically different. So for me, it's, it's a stewardship of sacred influence is the way I would define leadership. That's really good. That's great. So as we kind of said in the bio, um, we were privileged to have you lead one of our LDG meetings and leadership and leadership development here at Bethlehem is so is so vital. And it's uh, it's a it's a heartbeat and a core core value that we have is uh, developing leaders and then those leaders developing other leaders. So um I've been privileged. You've been a mentor to me uh, through the women in leadership coaching intensive. Um, so your your work has had a huge impact on our team. Um, I don't know if you realize that, but it has. So tell our listeners where your passion for leadership was born. Yeah, well, and I'm super honored. Anytime I get to invest in leaders, it's pure joy. And 
uh, being able, like I said earlier, to invest in you through the women's intensive and then the rest of the staff has been a privilege. But um, and, and and often humbling when you just realize, you know, just those those key moments can have such such impact on our lives. And that that for me was that passion for leadership for me was really born out of with one of my leaders and mentors in that conversation, giving me some tough feedback saying, Hey, Jen, you know, basically you're not leading well, you need to get some perspective on leadership. He didn't say it quite like that, but that was the essence of it. And it really wow. just set me on this journey to realize I need to, I, I want to do this. Well, I want to, I want to steward this, this sacred work of leadership in a way that leaves people better and I want that influence, that trajectory of my influence to be more positive than negative. Not that any leader is ever perfect, but I just wanted to be much more conscious and aware of the fact that leadership really isn't about me. It's not for me. It's not about position and power and privilege that I think sometimes we unintentionally equate leadership with those things. And yeah. that I, I really wanted to be much more intentional. And again, I, I get this wrong a lot more than I get it right. But I wanted to be much more intentional with this belief that leadership is this sacred influence. And could I, could I give my life to helping develop others? And so, um, but it was really birthed in another mentor of mine giving me some tough feedback in a really key moment. And it, and it changed the trajectory of my, my, um, my work as a leader. That's awesome. And it's really those, those moments where, you know, it is, it, it, it can be painful that that's where the mo sometimes the most growth happens. Would you that, say? That's exactly right. You know, it's funny. I'm doing a, I, I did a, um, podcast. Oh, not a podcast, a webinar month or so ago on the topic of feedback. And so we were helping coach leaders on this idea of feedback. And I think so often we are reluctant to give feedback because we don't want to disappoint people. And we, you know, it's, it's funny. We have, um, a speak your mind culture, also a, um, don't hurt people's feelings culture. So we have this weird, like kind of dichotomy, I think in our world right now, that I think social media kind of exasperates. But, uh, but funny enough, oftentimes leaders resist giving feedback to the people that they lead. And so we were doing this webinar on this whole idea of feedback. And it just got so much attention because I think we just we've lost the art of giving feedback. And it's really even giving um, constructive feedback is an act of care for the people we lead. Like if I hadn't had leaders in my life who said the hard thing in the right moment, I would not be the leader that I am today. And I bet you there's some yes. people who probably needed to give me some other diff more difficult feedback in key moments that would make me even better than, you know, now. Um, so yeah. I think, I think we, we just have, and it's really about the heart and the spirit, right? Do I recognize that my role as a leader is, is to help make way for other people. And sometimes that means giving them that healthy coaching and feedback that actually enables them to grow through that. And so, um, yeah, just being a, being positioning yourself to receive that as much as possible. And then when you're in the role of a leader, being willing to give that, um, obviously with great discernment and wisdom in how you deliver it, but being comfortable, making other people uncomfortable because it's for their good. I think it's just a real yeah. key part of leadership in general. 
That's good. And that's a, that's a real art that probably takes a lifetime to learn too. Yes. I, I, yeah, I would suspect I probably stumble in it a lot more than I do it well, but you know, but you just keep, you keep trying and you keep, um, uh, and, and again, if you're, if you're being intentional with your heart as a leader and communicating that, um, that's really key as well. Yeah. Which is leadership. It's like stumbling and figuring out as we go along, right? Exa- <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly right. So you kind of touched on um, some of your influences already. And um, I, so tell us who have been some of your greatest influences. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, I, I look back and I see some of the biggest influencers in my life, uh, just the people closest to me in closest proximity. So very early on, it was my grandma. I called her nanny. And uh, I spent a lot of time with her. My parents divorced when I was pretty young. And she was cut, she was kind of my caregiver during the day. And then, uh, we lived with her for a bit. And, um, so she was just a, a really strong, confident woman who also was just fun. And, you know, she had a song for everything, everything turned into a song, you know? Uh, so those are my memories of childhood was helping her in the garden and pickling vegetables. You know, once we'd take, gotten everything from the garden and she was, it was, we just, Nanny was like really intentional. So she was one of my first really early influencers and just kind of helped me believe that I could do, I could, I could, I, I mean, we have pictures of me in high heels in the garden. It was like, I could both be a girl and I could be digging <laughs> in the dirt. And it was like, I kind of just credit her with that idea that, you know what, you can, you can, you can, you can be who you want to be. Like let your quirkiness shine through. Yes. Um, yes. She sounds like Mary Poppins. You kind of described, <laughs> I know you, I know you love, we share a love of Mary Poppins. Yes. So you just described your, your, that's so funny. I hadn't ever <laughs> thought awesome. about that. Yes. She totally was like a Mary Poppins. <laughs> that is completely it. Um, no wonder I, I love, love Mary it. Poppins. That's so great. And then, uh, that's uh awesome. my first boss, I hit my first like real job in high school was at an, uh, an ice cream shop and, uh, the owner of the ice cream shop, she just, she just believed in me. Like she made me the manager when I was like 15 or 16 years old. I'm, you know, and she would just give me great opportunities. She believed I could do it. And she coached me and she gave me, you know, like, um, good, you know, good feedback and, and development, but she really just believed Mm. in me. And that was such a gift. So I've got a number of people like that, that were, you know, just the, the everyday people in my circle of influence that took notice and um, were intentional to invest in me. And those are some of the greatest influences in my life. I love it. And something that I've heard you say before um, is that, um, you know, you, one, uh, the greatest gift that a a leader can give is um, the gift of belief. That's right. And, uh, and it sounds like that's what they gave you. And um, also your boss at the ice cream shop kind of reminds me of another thing I've heard you say that um, promote on potential and, uh, and, and not on their, what they're, what they're currently doing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Those two things I think go so hand in hand, right. That, and we've all been there. We've all had those moments of insecurity or self-doubt. And when somebody Mm -hmm. that you respect and trust believes in you and says, I see this in, you Mm -hmm. know, it's not without work. You know, every one of those, those leaders in my life who believed in me and gave me opportunity it didn't mean that I didn't have to work hard and try to step up to the challenge, but there, that gift of belief, that, that belief that you've got this, Jen, you can do this. And, and, mm. you know, and I, I had a, a boss in the record business who promoted me to the manager of a, 
our sales and marketing division when I was 23. Like I had no business having that job, you know, as a 23 year old, but he believed in me and he did, he promoted on potential. He saw the potential. He saw the, 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 the willingness, the heart, the, the tenacity to learn and grow. And, um, those are just some of the most key moments of my life. And, and I find myself now in this stage of leadership going, am I giving those same opportunities to the 23 year olds to the, you know, like, Mm. and, and, and not waiting for them to prove everything before I give them opportunity, but to promote them into that opportunity and then coach them and invest in them to help them succeed. And uh, again, yeah, it's just, I think it's such a key part of, of what we get to do as leaders. That's awesome. The sacred responsibility. That's awesome. So I, as leaders, I know, and I've, I've, this is something I kind of an area of weakness that I struggle with as, um, as a leader is that I tend to be more task driven mm-hmm. than relationship driven. And is that, would you say that that's common with, with leaders? And, and if it is, what can we do to improve in that area? Yeah, it's such a great question. I, I, I'm inclined to say it's common because I'm the same. <laughs> so, okay. um, and I do think that oftentimes, especially when we're talking about like organizational structure and leadership where you've been promoted into greater, greater scope of responsibility. Oftentimes you get promoted into those places because of what you get done. So typically then we're pretty task driven, get it done people, we can be counted on, and then we get given more responsibility. But the challenge there is that the greater responsibility you have organizationally and the broader your span of care and, and staff or volunteers that you're responsible for, the more relational you actually need to be in the less you're doing less task and you're doing more leading and leading has that relational element to it. That is so key. So I do, I do think that you often see leaders just because we're, you know, so driven and, um, that we, we do often think task. And I think that we, I talk about this in my book, the four dimensions, and you know this cause we've studied it together, yeah. but that whole idea of, I think leadership uh, is rooted in the great commandment where we're taught to love God and love others with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I use those four mm-hmm. things of heart, soul, mind, and strength to help me seek some balance as a leader. And that, um, because I can go, I can be very driven, very task oriented, but I recognize, you know what leadership is really all about people. And that great commandment is love yeah. God, love people. It doesn't say do tasks. No, there's an there's an <laughs> assumption we do. You know, there's a doing in in the work we we do, but uh, but yes. that heart, soul, mind, and strength keeps me kind of tethered to heart is the relational side. Am I connecting with people? Soul is the spiritual side. Am I am I am I keeping my is my faith guiding what I'm doing as a leader? Mind is the strategic. So that is our task. That's our doing. And then uh, strength mm. is like vision, right? Because without vision, people perish. So remembering that as a leader, I've got to keep vision and and the and that goal or that vision in front of us. And so when I'm leading, I'm trying to think of those four things because I think my leadership is going to be most healthy when I'm when I'm considering all four. How am I relationally connecting, spiritually influenced, strategically guiding, and casting vision to keep us moving together? And uh, that kind of helps me balance that because I do. I think we're inclined to task because we're get it done people. That's typically the the way of a leader. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you you talked about um, the four dimensions, which was actually one of our questions. Oh, sorry, and, I got ahead of you. You said, <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll go right into it because it's such a great book. And um, so you, that would you say that that maybe that that realization of being more relationship driven, was that kind of the inspiration for that book? Yeah, it, it was it was really that journey for me of going, I need a healthier understanding of leadership. I was so driven and so driven by task, you know, and, and accomplishing things. And, and that when I had, when that boss of mine said, Hey, if you want to lead people, you're going to have to learn how to love them. I had never Mm -hmm. equated love with leadership. And that was really just kind of a unique thought for me. I don't necessarily know why, because if I thought back to the people who had had extraordinary influence in my life, like great leaders in my life, like my nanny, like my boss from the ice cream shop, um, that I knew they loved me. So their, their leadership influence in my life was not without love. Um, but I had never put those things together in my mind. And so as I was studying leadership more, I was reading through the, I was reading through the gospels because I wanted to look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus lead? You know, so I I was rereading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was looking at Jesus' life and saying, hey, what did, what did his leadership look like? What do I notice about how he led? And uh, of course, there's plenty of examples of how J- Jesus was so intentional and aware of the people around him that just demonstrates leadership is all about people. And, uh, but then I was, mm-hmm. I was uh, in Mark chapter 12, where the great commandment is, it's actually shared multiple places throughout the gospel. That just happens to be where I was. And you know, he's, they're, they're challenging him with, about, with questions about taxes and resurrection and things like that. Cause they're trying to like throw zingers at Jesus. And right. Then, Trip yeah, him up. Exactly. Right. And so they say, well, what's the greatest commandment of all? And he says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, or love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought, you know what, am I complicating yeah. leadership? Because it's actually, if that's the great commandment and the second love God, love others, you know, greatest and second greatest leadership is all about love, right? If I want this sacred responsibility of influence has to start with those great commandments. If I'm a follower of Jesus, that has to guide my work. And so, uh, so yes, when I was writing the four dimensions, it really was looking for a more holistic view on leadership. And I felt like it was like back to the basics. Here's, here's what we're given, um, as the greatest commandment in the second and, what a gift to, to use that as the framework for my leadership philosophy. That's so good. And I, to our listeners, I highly recommend Jenny's book, The Four Dimensions of Extraordinary Leadership. I've had the privilege of reading it with the, the Women in Leadership Coaching Intensive group. And also it was our book for leadership development for LDG. It was our assigned reading for that as well. So, um, so yeah, great book, great, uh, great insight. So what is the single most important piece of advice that you can give to those who want to, to our listeners who are, are listening and want to improve their leadership skills, no matter where they're at in their leadership journey? What's, what's that single most important piece of advice you'd give them? That's a great question. Um, I, I, I would say this, first, make sure you understand what you believe about leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does it matter? And, and what are the principles that you will hold to? So, you know, I've spent the better portion of our conversation helping explain my belief that, 
you know, leadership is the stewardship of sacred influence. You know, that's kind of like where I landed on about what I really believe about leadership. And then that it needs to be rooted in the great commandment of love God and love others. That's what I believe about leadership. But until I really establish what do I really believe about leadership, it you're, you're, you're kind of just shooting in the dark, right? You're just, you're, you're just kind of out here floundering, trying to figure it out. So I think the single greatest thing you can do is really wrestle with the question, what do I believe about leadership? Why do I think it's important? What do I want my life to look like as a leader? What are the values that I want to frame how I lead? Because then, you know, when you find yourself in those tough moments of leadership, you're going to go back to those values. So what do I believe about leadership? What is important about how I want to, uh, what do I want my legacy of leadership to, to be? There's a, there's a study done by Barna about a year and a half ago, and it was asking 18 to 35-year-olds what they, uh, just a number of questions, but there were some leadership questions. And one of the things that the study revealed was that 82% of those 18 to 35-year-olds believe that we're in a leadership crisis because there are no good leaders. And I, like, as if somebody who's devoted my life to leadership development, like, was like, you know, gut punch, you know, wow, punch to the stomach because I was like, young leaders, young, young leaders don't think that there are good leaders around them. Something about like my generation and above of leaders, they do not see 82% of them don't think we have good leaders right now, um, that we are in a leadership crisis. And I thought, why is that? Have, is it because we've made leadership mm-hmm. about us? You know, we could, we could, uh, you know, probably uh, come up with all kinds of theories of why. But I think I think that just impresses upon us. We have to really be working to make sure we're leading with integrity. And I think that starts with understanding why. Why am I leading? What do I believe about leadership? And so I would that's what I would encourage yeah. everybody. Know why you want to lead. That's so good. That's that's I have 100 percent So what would you say is a leader's greatest obstacle to growth? Oh, yourself. Um, (laughs) uh, So I'm a big, you know this, because we've we've spent a lot of time on it together, but um, that I think uh, the hardest person for you to lead is you. Like every one of us, leading ourselves is the hardest work. And it's often what gets neglected because we feel like leadership is all about leading others and the things we have to do and... um, yeah. But leading ourselves well, uh, one of the little mantras that I kind of live by is you have to lead yourself well to lead others better. And yes. that that commitment to personal growth, self-leadership, your emotional, spiritual, physical health, et cetera, um, it's not about being self-centered. It's about recognizing I've got to make sure that I'm leading myself well, that I am in a healthy place as a leader, that I'm operating out of an overflow of because I'm, I'm attending to making sure I'm in a healthy place because, um, there's, there's another Maxwell quote that everything rises and falls on leadership. And so goes the leader. So goes the team. And we see it time and time again, if a leader is not doing well, if a leader is unhealthy, then we see the organization, the team struggle, et cetera. Um, and so leading yourself is the hardest work you'll do as a leader. So good. So another book that um, I want to talk to you about is um, your book that you uh, wrote. With it's called Just Lead. 
a no whining, no complaining, no nonsense practical guide for women leaders in the church. Yeah. Which uh, you know, as a as a as a female, as a as a woman leader in the church, that uh, that uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. So talk about why you wrote this book and what is your message for women who are in leadership yeah. and why it's so important. Yeah, you're taking me back on that one because that was my that was my <laughs> very first book. I co-wrote it with a woman named Sherry Surratt, who is just uh, just phenomenal. And um, you know, we 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 were actually commissioned to write that book by a company called Leadership Network. Um, and because what we recognized is that there wasn't there weren't a lot of resources for women who are leading specifically in the church, you know, and that has mm -hmm. unusual dynamics. Um, but you know, and, and you, you read the subtitle, which is ridiculously long, but what we, I love it. It's, it's good. I'm so glad. Cause that was, that was how Sherry and I both <laughs> felt about it. We were like, you know what? No, you've got to just lead. Like if God yeah. has gifted you to lead, if you've been placed in a position of leadership, you have to step confidently into that. Now, that's yes. part of me coaching myself. And, you know, so it's like, that sounds great, but it's like, if that's the thing all of us are doing is, is wrestling those insecurities, doubts, fears, criticism, whatever it might be, because all of that stuff comes, it's all part of it. And the church again, right. has some unique dynamics in, you know, and that can, some of that can be theological. Sometimes it can be just matter of history about, you know, where women can and should lead in the church. We don't get into sure, the traditions. Yeah, different traditions and so forth. We don't get into the theological debate. What we're saying is, hey, wherever you are, whatever place of influence God has given you, an opportunity you've been given to lead, just lead. Like quit doubting, quit mm. questioning, deal with your insecurities, deal with your fears. And so we really just wanted to help champion and encourage women, especially in leadership in the church to, to step into that more confidently. But we, what we hear a lot of, and I still hear, but we were hearing a lot of it when we wrote the book was how women were kind of shrinking back from, you know, so even when, uh, a leader in their church, their pastor, elder, whomever it might be invited them into a position of leadership, they would often, um, shrink from it or not accept it because of fear, doubt, et cetera, or not seeing other women in those positions. And so because they didn't right. see other women in leadership, then they were, they didn't want to go first, you know, and which yeah, I get, yeah. I totally get because I've, I've been there myself, but, um, but it's so, it's just so key that again, it, wherever, whatever that place of influence God has given you to step into that confidently. And there's a humble confidence, right? The humility of, I, you know, I, I, like, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect, et cetera. And so there's a humility, but then there's a confidence of, but you know what? God has placed me here. God has put, given me this opportunity. So I've got to be confident that he will also equip me. So I think that yes. humble confidence, it's not arrogance, it, arrogant confidence. It's humble confidence of understanding what a gift and a privilege it is that I get to do this work and be and have this place of influence and confidence that God has opened the doors. I've, my leaders have given me this opportunity and I need to confidently step into that and trust that God will equip me. Yes, that's so good. So what is your advice to men who are working with female leaders? How can they help? Uh, yeah. And you know what? Here's what I love about that. I am hearing that from so many men saying, Hey, Jenny, how can mm -hmm. we, how can I more deliberately develop and coach our women leaders? And I'm so grateful for it because I love that they're giving attention to it. So, uh, so I want to give kudos to 
the men in my world who have been, I'm, I'm hearing many more of them being intentional about that. Um, yeah. and I would, I would just encourage, first of all, um, just be asking the questions, you know, and don't, and then, and recognize that women might feel a little uncertain, especially if you haven't had a lot of women in leadership in, whether it's in the church or, you know, um, whatever the, the, the situation might be, if there haven't been a lot of women leaders at the table, then you're going to feel a little reluctance. And this is sometimes strange to guys because just if I'm, if I'm generalizing our, our genders, guys usually will like jump in and figure it out. Women want to figure it out and then leap. And so I would just encourage the men recognize that women will approach it differently. So if they have some hesitation, it's not that they don't want the opportunity necessarily. It's that they feel like they've got to get it right and figure it out and be, and, and, and be perfect before they can take the opportunity. And that's usually a little different than how a guy would, would approach that opportunity. So if you can know that and just encourage them, um, if you, if you'll give them the gift of belief, if you will help them feel confident to step into those opportunities, um, or even to just come alongside you on projects or, you know, or, or different, you know, um, ministry opportunities or whatever it might be, invite them in and really demonstrate that you believe in them and are excited for their voice to be at the table. And then I, I sometimes will say it to this way to guys. Imagine that you were walking into the women's ministry meeting every week and you're the only, you're the only dude in a room full of women and they'll all go, Oh yeah. Like, you know, another dart out the door. I was like, well, that for most women, that's how every day feels because for a lot Mm -hmm. of women in leadership, we're the only woman at the table. So every day Mm -hmm. we walk into a room of guys who are wonderful. They're great guys. We, Mm -hmm. you know, we're thrilled to you know, be partnering alongside our brothers, but we're having to every day kind of emotionally suit up to walk into a room of a bunch of guys. And it would be like if they were walking into a room uh, with a bunch of women every day as their, as you know, as their, their working environment, that usually helps them go, Oh, that's why they, you know, sometimes are reluctant or that's why maybe they aren't as comfortable because, you know, it just, you're the only, oftentimes you're the only one. And if we can continue to help invite more women to the table, that will, that will help, um, just with that balance of leadership. Absolutely. And I love, I've, I've heard you say something that I've heard you say that I just, I, I love you. You say a lot of great things that I love. And so one of the things that you said, um, was that uh, you're a leader who happens to be a girl. And and that's just, I love that. It's it's like, it really kind of demystifies this whole idea, you know, that, I, I don't know, we're, we're leaders and, you know, we just happen to be girls, yeah. you know? So that's, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, you, 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 you keep up with some of those quotes so well, Angela. But yes, I do. <laughs> I like, I... Sometimes I'll put that, people will put that women leader tag on me. And I'm like, well, yes, and, but I, I really like, I feel like I've just been gifted to lead. And I, I happen to be a girl, I, you know, and, and that's yes. typically the way I look at it. So, right. So you talk about um, uh, some of the similarities you've led in churches and in a corporate environment. Right. 
So talk about some of that, because, and I, just to give you a little bit of background too, like my husband and I are both, we're business owners, we're, you know, we've been in ministry, uh, we've, we've been church planners, you know, we, we've done both and we see a lot of crossover and a lot of similarities where it's kind of comfortable for us to use, you know, what we've learned in the, in the business world, um, also in ministry and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, we've used what we've learned in ministry to, you know, to help our employees, so talk about some of the in, the similarities and the differences that you've learned uh, that you've seen working in churches and in the corporate world. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, a lot of it has to do with the culture of the organization. Um, personally, I, I think that as a person of faith, my leadership and my, my principles on leadership should, should be the same in either environment. Um, yes. That, that, uh, I, you know, so again, I go back to heart, soul, mind, and strength. I should be intentional to build relationships and connect with people. I should let my faith guide me, whether that can be, you know, so in the marketplace that might not be as overt, you know, so maybe I'm in an environment where I can't be as overt about my faith, but things like character, integrity, morality, the fruit of the spirit being present in how I carry myself, all of that speaks volumes. And so that's how, that's how that dimension of leadership can show up. But then, you know, there's a, um, that mind and that, that strength side, that strategy and vision side of things. Um, funny enough, sometimes I think we underplay, especially the, the mind or the strategy, because we're afraid it's going to feel too corporate in the church setting. And so sometimes in the church yes. setting, we were undervalue that, uh, because we don't want to be too corporate. And so we kind of overemphasize some of the heart and soul side of leadership. Not necessarily bad, but I think we're missing a part of the equation. And the, in the marketplace side, sometimes we overemphasize that strategy and that vision side of things, and it's all goals, achievement, make things happen, hit the bottom line, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's fascinating is that in the marketplace, as I'm studying this, the marketplace is recognizing, oh, wait, heart and soul have to show up here. Um, We've got, you know, so there's a ton of emphasis on culture and health of teams and valuing employees and employee engagement and which is really the marketplace trying to figure out how do we bring heart and soul back into our work because they realized they were, you know, they were losing their best asset, which is their people. And so the, I see the marketplace starting to have a better balance of heart, soul, mind and strength, even though they wouldn't use the same terms necessarily. And the church yes. is... Um, it varies from, from, um, ministry to ministry, but sometimes we will overemphasize heart and soul at the, the detriment of really being clear about our mission and vision and how we want to achieve that. Um, and so it, there's just a little nuance there. I think that, um, yeah, I, 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 and, it, and I've also seen, uh, I've seen churches that do that really well, that, you know, that mission and vision can be really strong along with that orientation towards, you know, connecting with people well and obviously making sure um, the spiritual health of our that organization is is thriving as well. So, I, I, you know, I think I think it has a lot more to do with the culture and the leadership and the differences than even the type of organization. But I, I'd be curious your perspective as well. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's so good. I've, um, you know, I bring a little bit of a, uh, my husband and I both bring, you know, kind of a marketing background and we, you know, we see the value in that. But 
at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's so true. If you're, if you're, if you're marketing without the vision or the heart or the passion and the love for people that you talked about, then, you know, then they're just numbers or, yeah. or, you know, things like that. But, but yeah, it's, it's so important that you have all of those dimensions, um, kind of incorporated in your vision and in your ministry working all connected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, well, Jenny, I thank you so much for your time and for uh, all the work that you do that's inspired me, inspired our team. And we, uh, we, we just could spend, we could spend all day talking about what, what we've learned together. And I just uh, thank you so much for your time and for the work that you continue to do to pour into leaders, because it is so, so important and so needed in our, in our culture today. Awesome. Angela, thank you. I appreciate you guys and your investment and your influence um, through Bethlehem Church and beyond. So thanks for the opportunity to spend some time today. This is great. All right. Thanks, Jenny. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you'd like more information from Jenny, you can check out her website at jennycatron.com. She also hosts a phenomenal leadership podcast, the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast that we highly recommend. And you can also check out her business website, getforesight4.com. Check that out for more information and resources to help equip you for your leadership journey and be blessed. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.